Fourth and 11. Tannehill. Keeping it alive. Now throws. Picked off. Kareem Jackson. Jackson is on the return and down at the 26-yard line. And that will do it. You know, right now I'm trying to lead a football team. Okay, I'm trying to lead a football team that's lost on the road. And uh, they're disappointed just like I am. And I, and I don't sit there and prepare speeches uh, to talk to a team after we lose. And so I said the only thing we're going to do is we're going to stay together and we're going to get better. We're not going to talk about it. Um, we're going to try to improve and get better. And they need to in a hurry. Titans Monday. Titans are 2-4. and four. But Floyd, they're not by any means out. Of, the season's not over by any means. I mean, the Titans got their problems and they need to fix it. But... Two and four, a lot of teams have come back from two and four. Right. A lot more teams have not come back from two and four, but a lot of teams have come back well, from two and got four. got a lot of work to do. You don't seem excited about the idea of them coming back from two and four. No. They got, I mean, there's a lot of work to get done. It's, you know, time to quit talking and get working. And for Jared and the GM, it is time to get to Floyd's three things. Three up, three down, three things the GM liked. Three things the GM did not like from yesterday's 16 nothing loss at Denver. Now, usually you like to start up. You like to start with the positive. Do you want to start with the positive today? I feel like sure. it's a lot easier. All right, let's start with the positive. Three up. What is the first thing you liked? Number one. Uh, the defense, of course. Uh, the defense, I thought they were physical. Uh, they played with effort. Got some big plays. Gave the offense field position opportunities that should have led to scores. Now it didn't, uh, but it wasn't the defense's fault. I mean this this defense you can't find you can't find fault in much. I, I was really impressed with the way the DBs tackled. I thought they really played physical. Um, I thought Evans played well. I thought there were a lot of positives. Woodyard came in, um, made some plays, even though. Um, you know, he was a backup and, and, you know, had to take Brown's place when Brown went out. Um, but I mean, just a lot of positives and, and, you know, you can't say on a team that's struggling right now, you can't say enough good things about the defense. Super Bowl caliber defense. I think that this, this defense is a Super Bowl caliber defense. Now they're not the best defense, but that if your offense is capable, you can win a Super Bowl with this defense. Also, one bad play by the defense, I forget who it was that had him wrapped up. I think it was Gilbert maybe. But and by the way, Gilbert looks all right out there, but the one big run Philip Lindsay busted off and we've talked about at the end of games, these teams are busting off big runs. It was 13 nothing made it 16 nothing, you know, now forcing you to get two two-point conversions to win the game. Uh, they had Lindsey in, in the backfield on that play, and then he got out of it and ran for like 40 yards. So they've got to stop that. But everything else, I'm with you, defense. Again, Super Bowl caliber defense uh, for the Titans. Number two. Um, second thing, and these are all going to kind of be on the defensive side of the ball, which is no shock to anyone. Um, Ferkser's catch was pretty good. 20, yeah, 20 points or less they've given up. In six games, which is incredible, considering the amount of time that opponents have had, you know, um, time of possession, uh, the amount of time they've had to to pretty much run their offense at will and 
and handle anybody. I mean, they, they, I mean, when you think about it, a game like yesterday, you know, 16 points and you can't win. Are you kidding me? Uh, but we're, we're seeing more and more of that. You know, we've seen, um, we've seen everything short of shutouts and, and, you know, you're going to have to, to find a way to keep it as low as possible because those 20 points certainly give us a chance to win on offense, even with as badly as things are going. So, you know, continue. Number three. Finally, the the maybe the most important thing about this defense is they really believe in what they're doing. They are sold on it. They believe in it. They are executing it. And I'm talking about at all levels. I'm talking about, we were talking about Gilbert. Gilbert did a great job of setting the edge. He did a great job and turning the ball in and doing the things he was supposed to. And then a couple of times they did get outside and, you know, he had, I think he had a couple of holding penalties against him. So all, all of that is good. And, um, and you know, I think it's, it's um, I guess, surprising you know, at a point in time where things are so helter-skelter at other spots that a part of a team can be that cohesive and that focused and that play with that effort and do the things that they're doing. So um, my hat's off to them. Boy, that is a lot of defensive talk. Now to the bad. Three down. Let's start with the offense probably. Number one. Yeah, the the offense is is lost. You know, they have no direction. I don't think they. Um, I, I'm not sure that they believe in a lot of of what they're doing. I shouldn't say that. It's not believe as much as it's everything is kind of an experiment. You know, they're waiting to see if it's going to work, and if something works, then we'll go ahead and do it. Um, you know, because there's so much. I think um, that they're just not sure what the results are going to be. And and that is, that's too bad because they have a lot of work. And that's, you know, you would hope that there would be some veteran guys along the way that would be able to help with that. And, and especially, you know, in my situation, especially the quarterback, you'd like to think he would be able to do that. But then you go out and play the way that Marcus did yesterday and nobody's going to listen to what you're saying anyway. So, you know, you may as well just hold on to it. Number two. Second thing, um, you know, turnovers yesterday were a killer. And that's no surprise to anybody. Were but they? we lost a bunch of yards once again. I mean, we have no team in the league has lost more yards on running plays. I'm talking about just tackles for loss than we have. Uh, and that's something that we have got to to get corrected. Um, we had the penalties that hurt us, of course, and they had two, three, four field position opportunities, and they didn't take advantage of any of them. I mean, when you get ball in the NFL, if you get the ball in midfield, near midfield, you've got to come up with points. It maybe is only three, but you have got to come up with points. And as we all know, we we couldn't do that. You know, we couldn't buy points yesterday. So, tough. I just want to know, when you're losing, when you can't run because the running back's got no room and the quarterback's got no room, like at what point 
do you look at the offensive line and say all of this comes to the offensive line? And I don't know the answer to that. Number three. Finally, and and I mentioned earlier in the show, my wife said this. You know, she said the offense doesn't look like they think they can do anything. And just the opposite of what the defense is. And it's incredible to me that they can be two, you know, on the same team, being coached by basically the same coaches and and have that much difference in how they look at things. But uh but the offense just has no confidence. Uh, you know, they don't believe and I don't care who it is, they don't believe they can you know, if I'm a receiver, I'm going to run my route, but I don't think the ball's going to be on me. You know, if I'm the quarterback, I'm going to throw the perfect ball, but I'm not sure the receiver will catch it. Uh, you know, if I'm the quarterback, I'm not sure I'm going to get protection. I'm not sure I'm not going to get, you know, the stuffing's knocked out of me here at a point in time. I, I, I think there's too much of that going on. And, uh, and you know, the easiest way to correct that, of course, is to have a little bit of success. Uh, which is which is hard to find with this group, but um, they they have got to find a way to change that. Somebody, and if there was one thing that Tannehill, if he is going to play, if that he could ch- do that that really would help this offense, is if he brought some of that, you know, brought some of the hey, listen to me now, this is what we're going to do. And I don't know Tannehill, I don't know if he's that kind of guy or not, um, but. We need somebody on the offense to to light the fire. I thought Tannehill kind of gave him a little jump in the. If it had been six nothing when Tannehill went into the ball game, I think that he would have given them a nice little shot in the arm. The problem was was it was thirteen nothing already midway through the third, and he just simply didn't have enough time before it got to panic mode of what you were going to do to try to get back and win the game. To your phones next six one five seven three seven one zero two five plus the PTI guys. Break down how they feel about Marcus. What do Kornheiser and Wilbon have to say? We'll get to that, plus your phones. That is next on Jared and the GM. Jared and the GM, of course, is live from the Wholesale Inc. studio, powered by RumbleOn.com. It's ESPN 1025, the game. For me as a competitor, um, you know, I would, I would love to be out there with my guys. But again, it's going to come down to the coaches, what they decide. That was Marcus, and of course, Mike Vrabel saying today that they'll make a decision tonight or tomorrow, tell the players, and then they will tell everybody else. And Floyd, as we said, once they tell the players, it'll get out as to who the starting quarterback Sunday is going to be. So oh, once sure. they tell Mariota and Tannehill, the guy, whoever it's May not, as well tell everybody. his agent's going to probably tell you know the press, and then Adam Schefter will tweet it out, and then there you go. Um I think it'll be Marcus, but who knows? Uh, pardon the interruption. They decided uh, Jameis Winston was horrible yesterday. Six turnovers, uh, five interceptions. And I remember yesterday we were talking on the pregame show before the pregame show, saying, "Hey, at least our at least the Titans guy isn't going to turn the ball over six times." And he might have actually been worse than Jameis Winston. Yeah, it's one of those you you think you you throw. Five interceptions, you thinking you were getting beat fifty to nothing. They ended up scoring like thirty points, and through five interceptions, four hundred yards. We, you know, we throw a couple which we haven't done all year long, and we get shut out. So I don't know. So that takes us to what the pardon the interruption guys, Michael Wilbon, Tony Kornheiser, had to say about Marcus. Are you giving up on both Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota? Well, this comes up because. 
these guys were in the same draft. Winston threw five picks yesterday and was just completely dreadful. Mariota was benched in favor of Ryan Tannehill. And this points up to something I've been talking to you about, which is the bizarre head coaching decisions to just do something. And maybe they feel they're the, the flame under their fannies and they have to make a move. But Mike Vrabel, I, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not putting Ryan Tannehill in the game when Marcus Mariota, who's actually won that franchise a playoff game, right. is ambulatory. I'm not doing that. So I'm watching both these games through the red zone as time goes on. The and bad I see red the five zone. picks. Yeah, the good yeah, red the zone. The bad red zone. So I see the five picks by Winston. And I think I told you this yesterday when we talked. They are beginning to remind me of Heath Schuler. And I know, Trent and I think Dilfer. you're overdoing it. And Trent Dilfer. Now, Trent, Trent Dilfer, Dilfer won a Super Bowl. I understand, but you wouldn't say that he was a very good quarterback. Yeah, he won you wouldn't a Super say Bowl. that. And these guys were picked one and two, and they seem for every step forward they take, they seem to take a step back. Wouldn't you take Mariota at the franchise you watch the most, the Washington football franchise? Wouldn't you trade all three of those guys for Mariota right now? Yeah, you would. Yeah, you would. You actually, thank you for asking and answering. I'd, I'd like to do that. Okay. Witness is excused. So I don't even know, did they say that they wouldn't take Marcus? Or I mean, I was stunned that Wilbon, who probably didn't watch Titans game yesterday, was all mad that they put Ryan Tannehill in the game. I mean, if you watch that game, you know Vrabel did not have a choice yesterday. Oh, yeah. That was, I mean, he, Marcus forced that. Not, he didn't do it intentionally, but, but his play forced it. Could you not see the angst in Vrabel on the sidelines yesterday during the game? Like, you could see it all over his face on the sidelines when they'd cut to him, and he was bent over like he was – like, that's the kind the, – the kind of bent over Vrabel was yesterday was the kind of painful bent over before somebody has to go into surgery. And they're like, hey, if you had come in two hours later, your gallbladder would have exploded and you would have died. You know, that kind of – the way he looked on the sidelines where he's sitting there like bent over at the waist like – Oh my God! What am I going to do now? Like, I mean, that was like the look that Vrabel gave the whole game. Vrabel didn't want to take the quarterback out; he had no choice. And I'm pretty critical of Vrabel at times. I'm not critical of that decision. Marcus gave him no choice yesterday but to take him out of the game. Let's go to your phones, as promised. Mike is up next on Marcus. Thank you for calling. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, Jared. Hey, Jim. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks for taking my call. Yep. Um. I kind of have a, a question really for Floyd because I would love to get his GM perspective. So, so bear with me here just a minute. You know, it's interesting because five years into Marcus's tenure as an NFL quarterback, he still has the same weaknesses he had pre-draft. Um, in, in 2015, NFL.com's Lance Zierlein wrote about those weaknesses, and I just want to read you just a few. They're bullets, so it won't take long. Just bear with me. These were the weaknesses seen in Mariota before we drafted him. Tends to see pass rush too often. Steps into sacks he had no business taking. Average processor on the field with adequate arm strength. Now, average processor on the field tells me he can't perhaps see when a cover three becomes cover two pre-blitz and his football intelligence is average. Now, here's, here's my comment. And it's really my question for Floyd. Just ask this it! Is on Mariota, right? But for a team to draft him at number two with the intent of making him a franchise quarterback, how much accountability is on the organization for his lack of development? Thank you for the call. Thank you. Go. They have, here's, here's the tough thing. And people we do don't fire realize the general manager this. who took him? When, when, you, when you come to drafting a quarterback in a situation like this, 
the quarterback you drafted number two this year is not the same as the quarterback that was drafted at number two last year, or the year before that, or the year before that. And it doesn't matter if nobody takes time to to compare what you know who was the number one pick or the first quarterback taken in all those years. That's like we we complain about getting Davis at five. When Julio Jones, Hall of Fame receiver, was taken at six. Well, you know what? If they'd had their choice of taking Julio at five, I'm sure they would have done it. But they couldn't. And that's what makes, and people that, that pay attention to draft or want to pay attention to it, this is the part that's often overlooked. Is you say, okay, I got the second pick. I feel really, really good about the second pick. Well, it may not be that good now. You know, you're both drafting quarterbacks. They take the choice they want, and you got whatever's left over. So that's, uh, I mean, the same thing happened with Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf. Plus, everybody in that class stunk anyways. And, like, Todd Gurley at 10 was the only good player that was yeah, taken. And, like, and you look at, you know, t- w- uh, with uh, Leaf taking it, too, and here's Marcus taking it, too. And I, and I don't I don't have names off the top of my head. Rick but Meyer. There, there's a whole group of players taking it, too. That may have been very, very average. By the same token, you can probably get a bunch of players taken at at two or or farther down the draft that are great, great players. So, I mean, it it's just not always, and that's why you always have to analyze. You're talking about, okay, you know what, we're, Marcus isn't our guy. We're going to go out and draft a guy. You know, one, is there somebody you want to draft? Two, are you going to have a chance to get him? And if you are, what do you, what is it going to cost you? I mean, all of these things become giant, giant issues. I think that theory right there is why I, the more I think about it, the less I criticize Dave Gettleman for the decision to take Daniel Jones at six. Because as shocking as it was to all of us, it only takes one other team in the league to like Daniel Jones that's willing to move up to 11 and draft Daniel Jones, where it's way easier to get to 11 than it is to get to six. And take Dan. What if the Titans love Daniel Jones? I have no idea how the Titans felt about Daniel Jones, but the Titans were at 19. What if the Titans love Daniel Jones? And the Titans at 19 say, hey, if we can get to 11 and then we trade next year's one, we'll draft Daniel Jones and he'll be the future of our franchise. Well, if you're the Giants and you love Daniel Jones, you don't risk Daniel Jones going to Tennessee at 11. Nobody would have seen that coming. But would it have been a shocker if J-Rob had fallen in love with a guy to say, I screw Mariota, he'll be our guy this year, and then Daniel Jones will take over next year? Right. And so in hindsight, you know, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, if you love this guy and you're picking at six and he'll be there at six, take him at six. And you don't know. That's Even like, if TV tells you that he's not Aaron Rodgers, they drafted at 24 or wherever it was. They weren't even looking for a quarterback. Nope. They were looking for another position. All of a sudden he's there, you take him. There were thoughts, I think, that the Ra- that the Ravens were going to trade up to to take Rodgers, and they ended up taking like Fabian Washington or some player like that, as opposed to uh, Rodgers. And going back to your thing about Davis in the draft, much rather be taking a receiver this year than taking one the year the Titans took Corey Davis, Jerry Judy, oh. C. D. Lamb. Yeah. Oh my God, I love all that. C. D. Lamb uh, might be the best player in America. And you look at the players that were taken. You got Corey taken. Then you got the Williams kid at San Diego who hasn't done anything. Then you've got the kid at Cincinnati who's done absolutely nothing and is hurt again. And everybody that said, well, Pittsburgh got Juju in the second round, and now that A.B.'s gone and Ben's not throwing, Juju ain't doing nothing. 
Uh, and then the other thing is, uh, boy, the Titans are taking Christian McCaffrey. I know they had DeMarco Murray, but mm, Christian McCaffrey, now, uh, bad boy now. Let's go to Andrew, who's up next on Mike Vrabel. What's up, Andrew? Hey, guys, what's going on? I'm calling from Myrtle Beach. Um, Pardon the app. I listen to you guys all the time when Thanks. I can. So, um, Mike Vrabel, um, he was hired for to be a leader of men, as John Robinson was looking for. I thought he did a great job last year um, with all the injuries and everything and just barely missing the playoffs. However, his lack of accountability, whether it be with players or coaches, I mean, Adoree Jackson fumbles, and he gets thrown back in the game as a punt returner. I mean, he's not holding players accountable to the media, and I think you should really start calling players out to really light a fire up under you guys or the team. And I want to know what your guys' thoughts on Mike Frable being a leader of men and if he's done that or not. So, so I'll I, hang up and listen. Thank you for the call. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Floyd. I do not believe that when a football guy says, I want someone to lead my football team, that part of that on the resume, by the way, I want you to call guys out in the media. I don't think that's usually what leader of a football team and call guys out in the media equates to. Yeah. No, they don't. And, and I mean, the truth is, if you're going to be a leader of men and, and of a football team, I mean, you would want to take those guys and talk to them individually, you know, on the, uh, and, and separately so that you, you know, it's not, there is no macho in the league to stand up in front of a room and tell a guy he's awful. You know, there's, there's nothing, nobody is impressed by that. Um, because generally speaking, you know, the guy you're calling out, you probably wouldn't say that to face to face in some alley someplace. And they all know that. So it's, it's not, it's kind of looked on as childish. And so they get past all that quickly. More of your phones on Titans Monday, 615-737-1025. Plus, who should start on Sunday against the Chargers? We'll get into that. Did you know an estimated 1.2 million people in the United States are living with or are in remission from a blood cancer? Join ESP in the game Nashville for the, for the Light the Night Walk at Nissan Stadium Friday, November 1st. You could be the difference in saving a life by being a part of the 2019 Light the Night Walk. For more details, to be a part of the event or to contribute, visit lightthenight.org slash event slash Nashville. Jared and the GM. CSPN 1025 The Game Plus coming up next. What Mike Vrabel says the team will rely on going forward. It's chair of the GM on ESPN 1025 The Game. You said culture like doesn't matter when you're winning, but it is important when you're struggling. How important is it for you right now to bank on this culture that you think that you guys have to kind of turn things around and get on? Yep, I think that's the only thing that you can rely on. You know, you, you can't rely on, you know, the, the, the pep talks and, hey, let's go, come on. You have to rely on the leaders of this football team. I have to show them the direction. Uh, we, we have really good leadership. And again, it will be defined now um, in the situation that we're in. What do you think of that right there? Brable saying, hey, we have to rely on the culture we have. And what do you think of the culture of the Titans? Because I heard Vrabel say that. I mean, I asked the question and then I hear Vrabel say that. And then I go right in the locker room and I hear Kevin Byard say, hey, I've always got eights back. No matter what happens, he's won us a lot of games and he's always been winning his game since I've been here. But we also have full belief in Ryan. So whatever the coaches want to do, and I'm paraphrasing what Byard said here, but, you know, whatever the coaches want to do. Uh, that's a coach's decision, and we just go out there and play the game, but we believe in both guys. I mean, it was like Bayard had been handed cue cards before as to what to say. It was so right as to what you're supposed to say. Do we buy the Titans' culture? We'll be able to pull them through this 2-4 and four swing that they've started. 
Well, I mean, I don't, I don't have any reason to doubt the culture. You know, it appears to me to be pretty strong and appears to me to be pretty consistent, you know, across the board. I mean, everybody you talk to, they they come through with kind of the same stuff. Now, a little variation here and there, but I mean, I don't see anybody pointing fingers. I don't see anybody, you know, placing blame on anybody. I don't see anybody criticizing anybody. I mean, they're, are they happy? No, you know, they're not happy. And, and yet. You know, they understand that, uh, I mean, the only thing you can rely on is getting to work and trying to change it. Let's go back to your phones on a Titans Monday. Larry on Mike Vrabel. Go ahead, Larry. Fellas, uh, first of all, y'all know how I feel about Mariota. I mean, he, he's terrible. Uh, Vrabel, I don't need to get into what all the dumb decisions he's done this year. We all know he's an idiot, anybody who watched the game. But he said today, I think you ask him, about, you know, the, evaluating the quarterback position, he said he never played the position. He can't evaluate the position. Well, look, I've never judged a beauty pageant, but I know beauty when I see it. And all I've seen out of the quarterback play in the past five years, especially lately, is very, very ugly. Floyd, thank you for the call. Uh was there a question there? <laughs> I mean, I guess I, I guess I, I get I sick of it. I get sick of Vrabel saying things like, you know, I can't judge the quarterback position because I've never played quarterback before. Like that does frustrate me because as the head coach, it doesn't matter what position you played. I don't even know what position Bill Belichick played at D two college, but I feel like Bill Belichick can evaluate every position on the football field, and that's who you go up against. Is you go up against the Bill Belichicks of the world, so. I get that Vrabel's like, you know, I can't judge the quarterback because I never played it or whatever, but at the same time, like, that answer does get tired after a while. Like, it's your job to be able to judge that. He said that about the kicker last week. I don't know. I've never kicked before. I can't judge the kicker. Well, you better find a kicker, and he better start making kicks because if not, you're going to lose a lot of winnable games. Well, uh, again. You think that's just this is what I say to the media? Yeah. I mean, what's he going to tell you? What's he going to say? I mean, I don't. That's the quickest way to shut everybody up, you know. Because what what question you come back with from there? I mean, they he he's gotten to the point. All these guys. I mean, he he will, you know. You give him time, he'll end up being Bill <laughs> if he can win enough games. I told you right there. So, I told you I, that I I told you before the show. I tweeted this out last night. I thought if there was ever a time to break the glass and go full on Belichick, it was today. The we're on to San Diego, or I guess Los Angeles. We're on to the Chargers. That today would have been the day to do that. Of course, everybody would have lost their mind. You know, I mean, I mean, he only got hired because he played for Belichick. So crazy. So I mean, but I know what you're saying. Might as well take a page. The bottom line is that uh, I think some people take these responses too, too literally. I mean, they are, you know, very much. I think uh, tongue in cheek. Well, it's like and, the and you know people have to realize that some of these things he's saying that you know probably aren't exactly true. Well, it's like when he looked at me today and said, "I guess I'm a bad coach, Jared." You know, I mean, it wasn't he's not actually saying that he thinks he's a bad coach, but uh, and it was like somebody said to me, "Like you should have gone back." And said, I'm not going back on anything. I mean, I asked a question that I have. He kind of basically brushed it aside and was like, "I, I you know." Oh, yes, I'm a bad coach, Jared. You know, and then that was it. Like, I'm not going to sit there and 
be like other people in the media who I, I want to say like when they go to these press conferences, they try to get in fights with the coach. That's not really my my goal in life. Um, if that makes any sense, right there. Uh, I will say sometimes every now and then it is kind of funny when you get a when you get a reporter and a coach and but I just you know there's people here in Nashville that like to be the guy that try to fight the coach and then you know go back and say well I asked the tough questions today and that's not really now if the coach comes back to me and says no I got no problem I mean I'll tell coach when I think they stink and when they don't and I still like Vrabel I just wish Vrabel would get better at managing the offensive side of the ball. I think he struggles with that. I think he struggles being a head coach on both sides. Um, and offensive production, I think, would, would back me up on that. Let's go to Patton, who's up next here. General George Patton, thank you for calling. Go ahead, Patton. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sad times to be a Titans fan, as I'm sure most of the fans are acknowledging right now, but First thing I'd like to say is uh, I think we, as the Tennessee Titans, have broken a very promising franchise quarterback in Marcus Mariota. Those first two years, he played great. Look at his stats, look at his highlights, look at his tape. This is a completely different quarterback than what we had those first two years. And second up, I, I don't have any trust in this organization to get this quarterback position right because it's shown throughout the years, once we get a promising one right, we go back to this exotic smash mouth dumb SEC offense, and we just rely on the 1990s offense. What are you talking about? What in the, what in the in world are you talking about? Hey, what are you talking about? Well, with Mariota. Okay, but give me another year, example. You said every good, time. You said every – stop talking. Stop, hey, hey, I, I'm asking you a question here. What? You said every time. Give me another example outside of Mike Malarkey going to exotic smash mouth football, which, by the way, was the best Mariota's ever played. What outside of that? Uh, when did the Titans do that? I think a, a lot of Vince Young's career, I thought his first few years, I thought it was promising. And then something happened. A lot of it has to do with Vince. I'll give you that. But death is not completely clean in that department. So, so, you, blame exotic sma- so you blame exotic smash mouth football. You blame exotic smash mouth football, which Jeff Fisher never ran. But you blame that for Vince Young's nine touchdowns and 17 picks his second year in the league and then get mad about the coach going to Chris Johnson the next year when they drafted him. Personally, as I said, Vince has a, has a lot of blame to fall into this. I just don't trust this organization to get the quarterback position right because it never has since we kind of fell into the lap of, uh, with Steve McNair, and I just don't trust we're going to be able to do that and. I guess that's my call. I uh, I appreciate thank, you guys thank, for listening. Thank you, Patton. Uh, I do not think you can operate under the guise of, I mean, the Titans never get quarterback right, so I don't know why they're going to try to get quarterback right now because y- you don't really have a choice. If you go into the off season as it's looking right now like you don't have a quarterback, you can't just say, well, we never get quarterback right, so let's just not even worry about quarterback. That's not how this sport works. Every other team's looking for a quarterback. They'll go out there into Jacksonville. Every hey, What if Minshew is the guy in Jacksonville and Minshew wins Super Bowls for the Jags? Now, I don't think Gardner Minshew's going to win any Super Bowls for Jacksonville, but what if he does? Well, guess what? Jacksonville will have tried everything. They tried David. They, remember, they drafted Byron Leftwich in the first round. And then. 
Byron Leftwich lost a battle to David Garrard, who I think was like a sixth-round backup. And so they went to Garrard. And then Garrard didn't work out, so they drafted uh, Blaine Gabbard. And Blaine Gabbard didn't work out, so they drafted Blake Bortles. And Blake Bortles didn't work out, so they signed Nick Foles. And now they've got Gardner Minshew. And if Minshew's the guy, then they will have lucked into a franchise quarterback. But guess what? That's because they were looking for quarterbacks. Do you think Jacksonville fans said this offseason, well, uh, don't sign Nick Foles because, you know, we just always screw up quarterbacks. No, you have to go find a quarterback. And if Marcus isn't the guy, you have to find a quarterback. You can't just say, well, we never find quarterbacks, so let's just skip on looking for quarterbacks. Absolutely. you got to have one now. Also, the bad mouth and the exotic smash mouth, that was the best this offense has ever been and the best he's ever been was the antiquated football, which, by the way, I would kill for 2016 offense right now. You put the 2016 offense with this defense, you may, you may be the second-best team in the AFC to New England. Uh, this defense is pretty good. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe. Who knows? That 2016 offense? Now, you can't kick right now, which is a whole other problem that – Again, wasn't even discussed yesterday because what if Tannehill had got them back in position to win that game and they missed a kick? Oh God! <laughs> I mean, that's the Jeez. that's that, that's the whole other can of worms. Jared of the GM, more your phone six one five seven three seven one zero two five plus. Who do we think should start? We'll discuss Jared and the GM uh, at quarterback on Sunday and why haven't the Titans just come out and said it? Because I have a theory that we'll get to. Uh, uh, Preds fan Smashville Live this Wednesday, hosted by Braden Gall, live from Boomboss Craft Pizza and Tap House in East Nashville, located at 1003 Russell Street from 7 to 8. The Smashville Live guest this week will be former Preds legend J.P. Dumont. The first 50 people will have an opportunity to get an autograph or picture. Fans can register to win two tickets to an upcoming Preds home game. Nash and the Energy Team will be there as well. Smashville Live brought to you by New Amsterdam Vodka, Spring Hill Heating and Cooling, and red spirits and wine. Jared and the GM, CSPN 1025, the game. Who's your starting quarterback on Sunday? And if you don't know who that is yet, how quickly do you want to make that decision? Well, I think that decision will be made um, this evening and tomorrow, and then we'll let uh, we'll let everybody know. We'll let the, the players involved know, let the team know, um, and then let you guys know. You really think the decision will be made this evening or tomorrow, or do you think the decision's already been made? No, I think it's probably already. Oh, made. I think when they landed, you know, they went back to the facility and John and Mike probably got together and the decision was made right then and there. If I had to take a guess. And I'm guessing honestly that it was a two person decision. It was a Mike and a John. Right. Not Arthur, not Pat, not this one, not that. I think it is this kind of decision is a is a John decision and uh I don't know who they should start on Sunday. I think they're starting Mariota Sunday against the Chargers. I think they're starting Mariota, and I think this is his last shot. But I think they will start him on Sunday. It it boils down to two things, in my opinion, which is, has the decision been made, one? And two, if it hasn't, and if it is a choice, then, you know, who do you want? And, And I don't think... I mean, I, I, I'm, they didn't pull Marcus out. I mean, they pulled Marcus out, but it wasn't a, a coach standing there saying, you know what, we see he should have audibled out of that thing. Get him out of there. I mean, the thing was so 
poor. I mean, Marcus played so poorly that that Vrabel didn't have a choice. I'm sure Vrabel didn't want to pull him out. No. But he didn't have a choice. He was so bad. And and so now, you know, you're either saying, all right, you know, that's pretty much it, pretty much it for us. And if that's the case, then Tannehill start and Tannehill play as long as he can, you know, keep the job. If they say, you know what, nobody can play that poorly again. He needs another shot. Let's give him another shot. And it's his job as long as as he can play well enough. Then, you know, maybe, I mean, this little shakeup may have meant all the world to Marcus and the way he was thinking or the way he saw things or the way he studied or the way he, whatever the case may be. And then maybe it didn't mean a, a thing. We just I, I don't land know. on that side of it. I mean, the idea yeah. of, hey, this is the wake-up call he needs to me is kind of like a... Yeah. If I you want to get some lottery tickets too, Floyd, I'd appreciate that because it's probably about as accurate. Yeah, you just don't know. But but the point being that if, in fact, this was some kind of a wake-up call for him and that you know things are going to be a little bit different, and I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means you know he's going to be willing to take more risk. He's going to cut it loose more. He's going to run with it more. He's going to, I, I just don't know. But if that's, you know, if it makes a difference and if it improves his play and if we actually are able to score some points, I mean, it'd certainly be nice if we can find a way to win a couple of games. Let's go back to your phones. Dr. Detroit, I'll give you about 20 seconds. Go ahead. 20 seconds, that's all I give. Yeah. Hey, you're, hey, you're on the clock. You're on the clock. Yeah. Well, guess what? I get more time because I'm Dr. Detroit for 24 years. <laughs> I think the Tennessee Titans' problem all starts with letter D from the Sesame Street Muppets. Disarranged, dysfunctional, dismal, and dismissed. Now, what I would do, I would start Canning Hill all four quarters just to see if that will put a bolt up Marriott Hotel's butt to see if he can get back on the gridiron the week after that and perform to his capability. And I want to give a shout-out to my boy Ryan Blaney for winning Talladega. Okay, no, we're not getting Talladega. <laughs> by the way... Uh, Dr. B- Detroit can get more in in a short period of time than anybody. By the way, Talladega. <laughs> by the way... Okay, but by the way... Um, uh, we, I need the Titans to win some games. Do you know why? Why? Because management wants me to stop yelling at callers. And my whole thing is like, if the Titans win games, I usually don't yell at callers. So, you know, it's, uh, go relay the message to J. Rob Floyd that we need them to start winning oh, games I'm, so we don't yell at the callers too much. Yeah, I'm sure he's well aware. Oh, by the way, Vrabel said something so ridiculous today that I want to get to. Uh, Lance is up next. What's up, Lance? My main problem in the entire situation is everybody in the world can see what the problem is with the Titans. It's that swing gate offensive line that I talk about every week. Last year they shouldn't have taken that wide receiver. They shouldn't have taken that defensive tackle. They should have taken offensive lineman and build it from there. You can go out on the market and get you a wide receiver. You can go out on the market, get you a running back, get you somebody that can protect that quarterback. They've run Marcus Mariota. His second year, he was good. He was very good. He threw the ball well. He was protected. He I, I agree. scared to death back there. They, they, hey, thank you for your call, Lance. They, thank you for your call. 
a lot of people are like, the Titans needed to draft offensive linemen. They needed to do... You do realize the Titans paid a premium for Roger Saffold. And they drafted Nate Davis in the third round with the hopes of Nate Davis being able to step in and play. The problem is, is neither guy's been very good. Also, they weren't expecting Taylor Lewan to get suspended. That's a reality that they've had to deal with. And Conklin's regressed. It's not... It's a bad formula of things to happen for your offensive line. Yes, sir. My problem is I'm just not sure that the guys over there have the answers for how to fix it when it's going to take time to fix, if it ever does get fixed, and you're two and four, so you ain't got a ton of time to fix it. Exactly right. I mean, that's not everything is done on the move. Uh, can we get to, to, to Mike Vrabel today? So I asked him about the culture, and he said that the team has to rely on the leaders and so then it was asked about who are the leaders on offense, and uh, this was that today. Who are the leaders on offense, Mike? Um, you know, I think Ben's a really good leader. I think Dion leads. I think Delaney leads. I think there's a lot of guys that start to lead in their own way. And I think that by doing your job and, and, and improving each and every week and playing with great effort, um, you know, that's how things get defined. It looked like you gave a carry to Dalen Dawkins ahead of Deion Lewis. How much leadership can guys take from a guy who's, whose role is getting reduced the way Deion's is? Um, you know, I think that the one thing that I've never tried to do was, was say that leadership was based on production. And I think that's the, the mistake that you're trying to make here. Is, is it's, based, it's not based on production. It's based on preparation, your attitude every day in the building, how you come to work, how you prepare, what kind of teammate are you. That's what a leader is. A leader is not the guy that goes out and runs for 200 yards or you know, maybe has three or four touchdowns. That, that's not a leader. That's a really good player. So I have two thoughts on that. Number one, I agree that, I mean, like Antonio Brown might be one of the single most talented players who was in the NFL. The guy is the opposite of a leader. Mm. Le'Veon Bell is not a leader. Those guys are not leaders. Adrian Peterson is not a leader. He is going to the Hall of Fame. That being said, though, I do think you always talk about, like, there are guys that have clout and guys that don't, and if a guy is a good player and makes a lot of money, chances are he probably has a lot of clout. How much clout can Deion Lewis really have in that locker room? Well, I mean, he comes from, you got to remember where he comes from, too. I mean, he, he understands that more than others. That's like Slater. People forget about, you know, because he's a special teams guy. People think, well, geez, he's just I'd a special team. He's, he's been a captain for 10 years. I mean, every one of those Super Bowls, he's got rings to. Uh, and yet, what does he do? He covers kicks. I mean, he's not even a returner and doesn't play as a receiver, but tremendous leader. And so I think, I mean, I would agree with him that, that leaders aren't necessarily, I mean, it's ideal if it's guys that have, you know, the ability to, to be productive, but it's not necessary. Fun game for the Predators Saturday when they lost to L.A. Uh, they tied it up late, and then UC let one in. Preds Insiders is next. Jared and the GM.